0: Now, um, we're continuing this uh, series on Matthew and we're coming to the bit today which is almost like the impossible bit um, which is entitled, if you have a Hodder and Stoughton Bible, which I don't I think the the subline might be, do not worry or taking care of worries or something like that so I'm kind of entitling today's talk, the eradication of worry So I I think it's almost like the impossible task that in the next 30 minutes and through taking communion as well, we'll all go out of here completely deprogrammed from all worries and concerns of this life. That's actually what we're aiming for. I did say to Karen... um, because I, I don't think I worry. I think I, I used to worry, uh, which I'll come on to in a minute, but I don't really worry about much anymore. And I did want to check that out with Karen. So I said, is it, have I got integrity if I say I'm not really someone who worries? And Karen said, I think you worry about man flu or words to that effect, about your health. I don't actually think I do that much. Um, but it is true that I used to worry about a lot of things. Um, when I was a younger man, I was, I know this is, good, you'll find it hard to believe but I would describe myself as a chronic worrier. If it was there and you could worry about it, I would find a way to do it. It was like a hobby. Do you know what I mean? It was like my worry hobby. So I'd worry about anything. I'd worry about, I mean, growing up in in the 70s and 80s, we did live under the perpetual threat of nuclear war. So I did worry about that a little bit. And then I sort of processed that one by thinking, well, actually, if a nuclear bomb dig off, I wouldn't really know about it anyway, so I didn't worry about that one anymore. But I'd worry about nuclear war, I'd worry about death, I'd worry about my appearance, I'd worry about what my friends thought about me. I'd certainly, that would be a bit of a thing. Um, I'd worry about um, money, I'd worry about um, my sister, I'd worry about my dog dying. I mean, if it was there, I'd worry about it and that's gone but it was to be honest with you excruciating for me when I was a younger man i can even remember lying in bed as a student at university worrying about a graduation ceremony and would i make it and how would that go a year before it even happened i know it sounds compl- i think i was going mad i i i honestly say to you over 20 years ago i was i was quite a chronic worrier And you would not necessarily know that by looking at the outward man, but internally, I'd be quite churned up. And I'm going to give you the secret today to overcoming that within half an hour. If If I was into making a load of money, I think I could write a book and make a fortune out of this talk, but I'm not going to. You get all of this for free. The secret is in Matthew 6 um and and it is if we unpack it properly quite mind blowing just to say we were having uh, a little chat and a prayer uh, me and andrew and a couple of the other guys before the service and we were reflecting on the nature of worry in today's society and i was remembering um my indian friends when they first came over to visit us this must be over 12 13 years ago they were in their 30s, maybe early 40s at the time. And I remember washing up and Prem, my friend, said to me, what is this? You're putting in the water. And I said, what? He said, that. I went, oh, that's washing up liquid. He said, what does that do? I said, well, it's like soap. It helps get the grease off things and it can kill germs and stuff. And he went, really? And I said, yes never seen it before. Never seen washing up liquid. He said, oh, we don't do that, we just have water and we just wash everything off with water. And we took him to the shops and he didn't just see milk, he saw skimmed milk, semi-skimmed milk, filtered milk, all sorts of milk, full fat milk, no fat milk, milk, bread. You can't just buy bread. You can have Best of both bread, whole grain bread, semi grain bread, white bread, plastic bread, thick slice, medium slice, thin sliced toast, toasting bread, French stick bread, you get everything bread. You want to buy yogurt, you can't just buy yogurt anymore, can you? You have full fat yogurt, low fat yogurt, semi fat yogurt, strawberry yogurt, cranberry yogurt, apple yogurt, rice yogurt, does your head in. Is there rice yogurt? I bet there is. If not, let's invent it, we'll make a fortune. In other words, we're crushed by choice. Our world in which we live in is so complicated now. We are bombarded by stuff. I mean, I'm a serious music listener. I love music. But now I'm like, what do I do? Do I get CDs? Digital files? How do I store my digital files? Do I need an extra hard drive? Life isn't simple anymore. In the West. Whereas if you were growing up at the moment in Syria or, or Central Africa, you'd be worried about staying alive. And we're worried about what type of yogurt we buy. So much of this, I think, Jesus is being incredibly prophetic when we look at Matthew 6. Because much of our concerns are actually really weird. The things that eat us up. So I'm going to try and give us the little secret behind this. So let's, let's read this. From Matthew 6. You remember the, I last week I looked at treasure in heaven, and now in my NASB massive version, this is entitled The Cure for Anxiety. For this reason I say to you, verse 25 of Matthew 6: Do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is life not more than food? and a body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? Someone once said that worry is an old phrase, worry is like a rocking chair, lots of motion, no progress, and get you anywhere. Who can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you, that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is live today and tomorrow, is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You Of little faith. Do not worry then, saying, What shall we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care for itself, for each day has enough trouble of its own. I mean, in one sense, I could stop speaking, because it just makes perfect sense, but I am going to indulge myself and spend half an hour trying to unpack it. When I gave my life to Jesus Christ the worries didn't stop overnight, but gradually my perspective started to change. I, I, I need to be clear on this, that sometimes you hear people speak about giving your life to Jesus and everything gets sorted out. A lot of things can get sorted out. Instantly, the day you meet Jesus and decide to go all in 100% for him, But my experience is that also sometimes we need to journey into truth and understanding and some things gradually begin to get eroded away from your life that are a bit more toxic and kind of numb and blunt the presence of God. We're a bit like building sites, lots of work in progress at different stages at different times and we have to progress in these things and that was my experience. So I didn't stop worrying overnight but what I did realise, from the day I met Jesus, the 22nd of April, 1990, 7 o'clock in the evening, I remember it that clearly as you've heard me say before, I realised that I had been leading my life with a certain amount of tunnel vision. But when you give your life to Jesus, your perspective and your horizon broadens. Suddenly you realise that this life is not it. And the problems that are presenting themselves in front of you today are not it. They're not the end of your reality because now we're looking at our destiny. And you've got eternity set before you. And there is something else too about giving your life to Jesus. Lift your gaze to the heavens. Isaiah 40:26. lift up your eyes on high. And see who has created these stars. The one who leads forth their host by number. He calls them all by name because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one of them is missing. Psalm 121 verse 1. We read out Psalm 121 twice in the worship. On purpose, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where shall my help come from? My help comes from the Lord Almighty. I really seriously believe that if you go 100% all in for Jesus, No holding back. All in, your gaze lifts up. I think we have an enemy that wants us to look at the ground with tunnel vision or at the darkness of our problems. But I believe the Lord actually wants us to lift our gaze up. And when you meet Jesus, surely that happens, right? Because suddenly you realize that eternity is before you. It doesn't mean that the problems go away. But your perspective changes. You realise you can look above and beyond the stuff that's immediately in front of you. I really believe that for myself. I've, I've got a, I've got a few little tips at the end if I can remember, remember to get there. I've got a few little strategies for how you overcome like worldly worries. Things that I've employed for myself because I think we've also got to know how to do this practically. Um, Here's a couple of solutions which I think are straight out of Scripture. Romans 12:1. Asked us to be living sacrifices. Present yourself as a living sacrifice before the Lord. Let me show you a little picture, if, uh, if the Checo boys can do it. This is the same man, uh, probably about 15 years apart. And it's a man called Damien de Vuestre who was a Catholic priest in the 1800s. He was 24 when he was ordained a Catholic priest. And back in the day, when you became ordained as a priest, they put a death shroud over you at your ordination ceremony to say that you died to yourself and you are now going to live for Jesus. And Damien de Vureste actually took that very seriously and he pioneered a work on the leper colonies in Hawaii. At 24, he said, well, I consider my life nothing, very biblical, I live now for Christ and not myself. And he moved to Molokai Island where they put all the lepers and people with incurable diseases and he opened schools and he, and he started to nurse people and, and wash the sick and he had, set up music lessons and he played sport with the kids and he held them as they died. And he did that for year after year after year. Until he became this gnarly old man there who's actually not much older than me in that picture. He's in his mid-40s there. Thinking that picture is about 45, 46 years old. And the story goes that it's a true story. Uh, obviously all of this is straight out of, uh, some, of the, some of the missional books that I've read. Um, the, the story is that his habit was to bathe his feet in hot water at the end of a tough day. One day he sat down and he put his feet to rest. His feet in the hot water and realised that he couldn't feel the water, couldn't feel the heat. And realised that he contracted leprosy because what leprosy does is kill off your pain receptors. That's why they get all these horrific injuries. So they've got no way of, you know, understanding what they're touching or, you know, when things burn you. They couldn't feel it, so you get all, all these horrific injuries. And his first thing he said was. Now at last I can become like one of them. <laughs> I read a story like that, and I think he really took heaven seriously. He really took heaven seriously. He became a living sacrifice, and if for us in our culture that is so tough. But I do believe that when you truly give your life to Christ and you're going 100%, we have to keep coming back to this. We realise that our life is now not our own anymore. It's not just yours. It's about laying aside your wants and your needs and your desires on behalf of a world that's dying without Jesus. And You lay aside your desires to pursue what God wants. And it's funny how when you do that and you keep trying to bring yourself back to that, how some of the weird stuff that stresses us out starts to slowly melt away. Not necessarily overnight, just over time things begin to change. And so you notice in Matthew 6, I think Jesus hits the western curses in this uh, in this passage, little passage. Clothing, our diet, our appearances, the future, what about me pension? what about me mortgage? what about me kids, university fees? who's going to pay for me funeral? You know this future thing can really get under our skin too, as can obviously the fashion and the food stuff. I mean, masses of money invested into getting us to buy all kinds of food at the moment and different all different kinds of fads and fancies out there and Jesus simply cuts through and says seek first the kingdom and then critically and all these things will be added to you and I can remember it's got to be 18 years ago um, Karen and I were at a mill and I just decided to leave the bank and we moved onto an estate to plant a church and we self-funded it we were our savings to do it. And no one, we didn't tell anyone that. People assumed we were being paid, but we just wanted to pioneer a work amongst people. So we left the banking career thing. And um, we were at a mill. And there were some people there who are connected to serious money. I mean, serious money. And around that table as we sat there, one person's like, oh yeah, and they've just bought me a car. A new car, and and we're going to this five star hotel in in Scotland, and we're paying for our holiday. And the last time we were there, they even hired a skydiver to come down with a sack of presents, and you know, and hot air balloons. And oh, they just bought me this new hi-fi. And it was in the days when you had hi-fis. For those who were younger, that was a stack of equipment that used to have a record disc on it, which is like a plastic vinyl thing that used to play music. It was brilliant. And and they'll make a comeback, they're making a comeback. And and, and they were going on and on and on, and I'm sitting there in this, at this meal going, just got a new car, have you? Like my inner man's going, just got a new car, have you? Well I've got to sell mine, I've got to sell mine to put food on my table. You know, so I was getting really like, inside I was going all, have you seen Lord of the Rings? I was going all Gollum-ish. As I, as I can hear a golem inside, no grace. It's really hacked off because I had just turned down as well this job where the bloke could tell I make you a millionaire by the time you're 30. Now I'm going. I can't even afford a Skoda in a the day. These is when Skodas were terrible. I think my arms did go like this in the meal. <laughs> anyway, so I'm sitting there going like, like gnarly. I'm getting gnarled up. Which you can live like that perpetually. And you do, it starts to come out in your face. So if you see people walking around like this, (laughs) they're bitter about stuff. Watch out afterwards when we're having a cup of tea. You'll see it in people. Maybe not here because you're beautiful. Anyway, I'm sitting there. This little voice says to me, I'm going to bless you in other ways. I said, oh. Okay. I started to stop start relax, so I got in the car with Karen, and uh, and I said, "Did that get on your nerves?" And nothing ever gets on Karen's nerves at all, of course. And she said, "Well, it did a little bit." I said, but then I felt God say something to me. I said, "What was that?" I said I felt God say i bless you in other ways. I went, oh, The instant reaction is, maybe God's going to give me a Ferrari. <laughs> maybe my car's going to be better than their car, and then I'll turn up, and they'll start going, because <laughs> I've got better stuff. But actually, it wasn't. It was a very short time later that Karen walked into the bedroom while I was still fast asleep and woke me up and went, I'm pregnant." Now, at the time I didn't make the connection, but of course it was only a short while later you started to think, oh yeah, God's going to bless me in other ways, more meaningful ways. But still the picture hadn't come to full completion. Because like, I love my girls. I love my daughters. And the biggest desire we could ever have for our kids is that they could know Jesus Christ and be 100% all in. And as you know, if those of you here last year, I baptised number one daughter, myself. What an immense privilege. But it was only, I think it was, was it yesterday? Two days ago. We're sitting in our house, in my little snug bit, and I'm there with my two daughters. Emily and Annie, and I've got permission to talk about this, and we're having a chat about Jesus stuff. I think I'm sitting there thinking, how beautiful is this? And I get to sit there, and we've got a few. Like, I've got my Bible next to me, writing me sermon. I've got my two girls there, and we're talking about Jesus stuff. And then Annie starts to open up about what she thinks about Jesus, and how she wants to be hundred percent all in and wants to be baptized for the first time and starts weeping before the Lord. And I felt this same little voice that said, I'll bless you in other ways. Whisper into my soul, your family is going to heaven with you. Your family is going to heaven with you, your whole family. And we all sat there and wept together. Last time I cried was when the helicopter blew up and Black Hawk down. I don't I'm not a weeping sort of person, but it's still small voice. Your whole family is going to heaven. The Lord will bless you in other ways, son. I mean, salvation for your household or your friends outweighs any worldly treasure. It is it is of greater worth than anything the world could give you. Seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you as well. Put me first. And, and I'm not saying we've got it right because I find that things creep into my life all the time. But I have known through the last 20 odd years of trying to be 100% all in. That when I seek the kingdom first, other things do get added to me. When I put obedience to God first, when I try and live the Beatitudes, when I take sharing my faith as the primary thing in my life, when I take these things really seriously, God adds to my life in ways that I could never ask for, or dare, or imagine, is what I've found. Even to the point when we, when we first... Took our major leap of faith other than going into ministry. And we 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 left our church. We had to end up in a church house. We couldn't afford a house. Then I took a job working for this mission agency that had no money. And I took a massive pay cut. We had to move across the country. And we didn't tell anyone about our financial situation. I didn't know how I was gonna buy a house. But the Lord did bring to our attention a particular house that would be good for our family. We didn't know how we were gonna get there. And I never mentioned it to anyone. And I was financially on the edge to serve the Lord. On the edge. Really, it could have been meltdown time. And the phone went one day and I picked it up and it was a bloke called Charles. And he said, I've been praying for you. I said, I appreciate that. He said, "Um, do you need some money? I went, yeah. He said, what for? Living in a house. He went, hmm. He said, How much do you need? I said, Well, quite a lot. He said, Well, what do you need, like now? I said, About 30 grand. And he went, Oh, wow. There's three of us who have been talking about you and want to back your ministry. Thought we'd help you buy a house, and we were going to put ten grand in each to buy a share of your house, like own the share. I went, oh, that's amazing. And 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 we were able to move on this massive pay cut and buy a house that so we could fit the family in, and you know, and it was a beautiful house. It actually, got bought by the Anglican Church in the end to be a vicarage. Don't know if you read into that, but it was quite interesting for us. And then when I came to sell the house, I phoned him up and I said, I'm, I'm moving to Ches Vegas. Um, and I need to give you your money back. He went, what money? I went, you know you bought a share of my house. We need to work out the share of our house. I need to work, I need to work out how much to pay you back. And he went, oh no. I said, what do you mean oh no? He went, Oh, we decided, the three of us, to make that a gift years ago. He said, you you live for the kingdom, we'll back you. Don't worry about it. He said, if you stop living for the kingdom, I might phone you up and ask for the money back. He said, at the moment, we'll back you. And I couldn't believe it. Seek first the kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. God knew what we needed at that time. Now, we would have been prepared to live anywhere or do anything, but it seemed that the Lord just wanted to say to us, I'm with you. We never mentioned it to anyone. It came totally out of the blue. I'm not expecting that that would ever happen again. It was a unique thing at that time. But I've seen this happen. It's like the Lord whispering, don't worry about your house or your clothes or these things. If you feel I've called you, and you know that I have, I'm not going to let you down. It might be, for instance, that I'd chosen to take the million pound job. I doubt I would have got the same sort of backing. But when I decided to go 100% all in for what he was asking me to do, then it came good. I didn't think it was. I didn't know what we were going to do. But it worked out in that way at that time. I don't necessarily think it's financial. That's why I mentioned the family stuff as well. But what I have found is that people use all kinds of fears to stop themselves stepping out for God. A simple analogy might be, and this is not just about offerings, it's just a simple analogy. Let's say you've got a £20 note, a £10 note and a £5 note in your pocket and an offering bag comes round. Now we don't do that in this church, we just trust the Lord. We have a little homemade box in the corner. What what'd you put in? So many people reach for the fiver. And we reach for the fiver because we're a bit worried about giving away the 20 because we might need it. But actually, I think the passage just tells us to trust. And sometimes we have to step out without knowing what's around the corner for us. I didn't know when we moved to Ches Vegas that I was going to end up meeting all you beautiful people. I didn't know how things were going to pan out, but we knew that the Lord had called us. So we do it. And I think there are so many times people say no for God, actually, because of fear, rather than saying I'm 100% all in. It's in Philippians 4.19. God's promised to provide for us all that we need. So I've got some simple questions and then some strategies and then I thought we might try something different before we take communion and do a little bit of questions and answers. Because some of you might have some questions. I thought we'd do something a bit different. What do you reckon? Someone might have some questions. You know, what, what about me investments and what about this? I thought it'd be interesting. See if you can catch me out on a question. So here's some simple questions. I would ask myself, where do I primarily spend my energy? What do I primarily think about? Where do I put my money? What's my first thought when I've got a few quid? Um, I think God's idea of what we need is very different to our own, actually. And I probably simplifying our lives and getting focused on the kingdom stuff will, will change our thinking completely when we get very concerned about the things he's concerned about. Here's what I would do with my worries when I, if I start to find worry creeping about my house or relationship or food or anything. Here's what I do. I give it to heaven. It's the first thing I do. If I've got a conflict at work or something's really stressing me out, I give it to heaven. I've actually said that to people before. I had a false accusation against me once. And I looked at the people who were doing it and I just said, they said, you seem very calm. So I've just given it to heaven. God will judge. Ah, I often nerve people when you do that with confidence, especially when it's false. I don't worry about it anymore. I choose to trust God with the scenario. I Give it to heaven, and if I have to vocalise that, then I will. I ask myself, will the stuff that I'm worrying about matter in a week? If yes, then I push it back. Will it matter in a month? If yes, then I push it back. Will it matter in a year? If yes, will it matter when I'm dead? And most of the time, it won't. And then I can park it. If the answer's yes and it keeps being yes, if it has, in other words, eternal consequences, then I'll deal with it. I choose to keep my mind on the bigger picture rather than on the minutiae of the worries that I've got. I look at where I'm trying to head to rather than the thing that's immediately in front of me. I find that often helps me. And I do try and put my mind on the kingdom picture first. Like, for instance, worrying about money when we're just getting called into ministry and a gnarly kind of thing happening around me. I'd, I'd rather, at that point, fix my mind on is the overall trajectory of my life going to be one that pleases God? And if it will, I trust him it he'll provide everything else that I need. I worry about my kids and I do pray for them, but I don't worry about them loads because I know they're in God's hands. So I might give a bit of fatherly advice from time to time. But I do trust, ultimately, they're God's kids. And I'm a custodian of them. He takes a lot of toxic worry off me. because I know that God's spoken to me about them. So I don't worry about it so much. Keep your mind on the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. I've noticed in church life, that sometimes we don't even do the most minor gestures for God because of worry about the consequences How about the impingement on my time or my finances and whereas we keep our mind on the kingdom narrative those things do seem to just dissipate away